All right, so we're here at Inacall, Courtney. We are at Inacall. Who's with us this morning? With us this morning is Brian Stack, who is a principal at Sanborn Regional High School in New Hampshire. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the school you work in and what's going on there? Sure. So I work at Sanborn Regional High School. We are in southern New Hampshire. And we have been uh, practicing a competency-based model for the last 10 years. So we've been very involved with INACOL and um, met a lot of great people, got a lot of great resources, and uh, have a lot to share and a lot to learn. So how long have you been um, the leader of this school? This is my 12th year. Really? Yep. Wow, so yep. you've seen it evolve. I have seen it evolve from the days when it was just two of us scheming in a back corner of the school saying, how can we pull this off to where we are today? It's been quite the journey, yeah. And you've been the principal the whole time? I, have, I was the assistant principal for the first few years, but this is my eighth year as the principal. Wow. Yeah. So that's it's rare to find someone who's been there from like inception to yeah. you know. Well, that's kind of been our mantra at Sanborn. I think we've we've accomplished as much as we have because we've had a stable leadership team throughout. It, it's actually only this year that we have a fair amount of turnover on the admin team, and I think it's just because opportunities uh, people had to go elsewhere and do other things, yeah. but. Um, but we pulled off some pretty amazing feats thus far and still have a lot of work to do. So what is it 10 years ago that made you say, we need to change to more of a proficiency-based learner-centered system? Yeah, so what we were doing just wasn't meeting the needs of our students. And um, all of our test scores just showed us being average at best in any indicator that you look at and um, you look around at our classrooms, they were not student-centered. They, in general, students and parents felt like school didn't meet their needs. It was a chore. It was something that they had to do. It was not something that they had a lot of investment in. And, you know, we started doing some early research and there wasn't a lot out there 10 years no, ago I mean, to draw not, from. There, you know. there still isn't. Um, <laughs> We were, you know, between us and Lindsay Unified and a couple of other districts, we were kind of breaking new ground. And um, what's interesting is I get together now with Virgil Hammond and I talk about it, and they were making things up as they went along too. And what's interesting was if you were to chart our timelines, we were making key decisions at about the same time without even knowing early on right. that the other person existed. It was probably two years in before Virgil and I finally connected and started to realize that, you know, we were sort of working in isolation, yet working in the same yeah, direction. Yeah, the same so direction. it was pretty interesting, yeah. What were some of the biggest challenges early on? Um, oh, gosh. I think the single biggest challenge early on was just getting everybody to buy into the philosophy um, and have an understanding of why we were doing what we were doing. Um, it, it's such a monumental philosophical shift to do the work and we were very careful not to try to um, minimize it. I mean we, we recognized that we had to go we had to go into this philosophy full speed ahead and we needed everybody invested in it in every aspect of it. We couldn't cherry pick which things we wanted to do and which things we wanted to keep in a traditional sense. So, it was it was quite the journey. 
so what were some of the some of the tips you could go you could give people for how you got the buy-in? And and I assume that it wasn't just just staff buy-in, but also community buy-in. Yeah. So, so we did just a lot of communicating. You know, so we were we were a pretty open book early on in our development. And if you go back and look at some of the early blog entries on competency works, you'll see a lot of blogs from myself and others at Sanborn just talking about some of the early struggles that we had, you know, and we, we wrote those blogs initially for our own parents and community, but then it was very apparent that others in other parts of the country were learning from our struggles right. <laughs> and successes too. So, you know, it was, it, it, but we were an open book and I think that people recognized, even our parents recognized that what we were trying to do was find a better education for kids. So we promised them out of the gate we weren't going to hurt your kids. We weren't going to harm them in some way. Right. That, that inherently, you know, those first few years, your, your kids, they, we always got pushed back from kids saying, you know, we feel like guinea pigs. We feel like we're, we're test cases. And we always try to assure them, maybe that's true, but you're still getting at a bare minimum more than you would have gotten had we not done any of this work at all. Right. So... And I think we just kind of stayed the course. So we pushed through when the going got tough and, you know, the parents would rise up and there was that one day where they were banging on my office door to talk about class rank and why we had done away with class <laughs> rank. And, you know, so you just have to stay the course through that. And you have to recognize that you've got the back of your superintendent, you've got the back of your school board, which we had at the time. Nice. And, you know, we quickly aligned ourselves with other schools that we could find in our state and outside of our state that were doing some of the same work and just kept pushing through, you know, and, and now here we are today. It's, it, we're not done. It's not to say that what we've done is, is perfect by any means. We have a lot of work to do still, but I don't get the calls from parents. I don't get the students questioning the philosophy anymore. Right. If anything, what I get are people that will call me and they're concerned because individual teacher X is not doing what they should do to stay true to the philosophy. Yep. You know, so what a which is a big shift. That's nice. It's yeah. a big shift, yeah. So when when you started um, for the staff, was it would, would did they all buy in? right at the beginning, or most of them anyway? You never get really all of them. Yeah, you never, and, and we never intended to get all of them. So we, right. we purposely, so our model was a K through 12 push, but within that K through 12 push, every school kind of took, took different things at, you know, at, at the forefront at the beginning, we all took different things that we wanted to focus on first mm -hmm. to get some of those early successes. So in my building, we were also developing a ninth grade and a 10th grade small learning community model. So mm -hmm. we actually piloted a lot of things in that ninth grade model, especially that were mm -hmm. became whole school in year two and year three. Mm -hmm. So that gave us the ability for folks to get, have time to kind of develop that buy-in because my ninth grade team at the time, they were all go-getters. They were early adopters. They were willing to do just about anything and, we threw some pretty crazy things at them, and they just did it, and they loved it, you know, and a lot of them are still with us because that experience changed their professional life, right. and they're just, they're so committed to the work. The ninth grade team probably continues to be 
the strongest team in my school as a result, even though almost all of the players are different from who was on that original team. It's, the, it's that institutional knowledge that stuck with the team and that culture that they built up kind of stayed. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's fascinating. It was a neat story. So, so I'm curious if you could describe um, like this, the learner population in your district. Yeah. I think that's something people are going to wonder about. Sure. So, I mean, we're a suburban school district about an hour north of Boston. We are, we have about 30% of our students are on some kind of an IEP, another 10 or 15% on a 504 plan. Um, very little minority, very little yeah. English language learner population. Yeah. So, and about... Um, 30% or so on free and reduced lunch. Yeah. So it's a it's an interesting mix in the community. We have a lot of first-time college-bound students, so that's a really big deal for us. Um, that is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So uh, most of our parents grew up in the area. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of industry in our community, so a lot own their own businesses, plumbing and heating and you know, different things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, our goal is to really try to help meet the needs of our kids and, and whatever their aspirations are so that they can be successful in life, whether it's going to be going into the family business right. or whether it's going to be being the first one to go off to college, whatever that looks like. We send about 80% or so of our students to a two or four year school. And of that, about 93% return Outstanding too. Yeah, so that's really good. That's uh, we're pretty proud of that. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should yeah, be. we definitely are. That sounds like a fantastic. What I'm so excited to hear about is that you're. Um, it's a case of a public school, a K twelve public yeah. school that's having this success and has stuck with it and can say, yeah. you know, ten years in, this is this is where we are. And yeah, and it's it's been it's been pretty amazing. So um, you know, coming to the symposium this year. This is my third year back mm -hmm. and I'm excited. It's my third year presenting. So I'll be with a team of folks from New Hampshire just talking about what it's looked like for us, not just at Sanborn, but some of our other schools. I'm excited to be bringing my new book, which just came out actually nice. from Solution Tree. And this was um, Chris Sturgis and Susan Patrick have been instrumental in helping us with our understanding mm -hmm. of competency-based learning. So this, this book has been a labor of love for myself for the last three years and my co-author John Vanderels, who actually couldn't be here at the symposium this year because he's at Solution Tree doing an event similar to this up in Des Moines right now. But um, you know this is a book for school leaders to um, Kind of make some sense of what their journey is going to look like. Yeah, so it's already out. Just came out two weeks ago. It actually came out the same day that Rose Colby's book came out. And I don't know if you know Rose. And Rose and I, we each wrote parts for each other's books, so that actually the books complement each other really, really well. So fantastic. So yeah. Brian's book is called Breaking with Tradition: The Shift to Competency-Based Learning in PLCs at Work. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. We will put a link in the show notes. And um, what is your colleague's book's name? Um, Rose Colby's book, let's see, is called The Architecture, uh, the Competency-Based Education, An Architecture for School Reform. Something to that effect? Something to that effect. <laughs> we'll now, the <laughs> subtitle, there it is right there. Yeah. I can yeah. see it from the title. A there New Architecture for K-12 School and Competency-Based Education. Go. Yep. Perfect. So... Nice. That's so exciting. Congratulations Thanks. on your book. And it sounds like, so what 
do you see in the future for your school district? Like, what are your what are the things you're excited about, and what are the things that you're kind of excited in the other way about to, to take on as a challenge? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, every year we have a, a fair amount of turnover just with staff and students. So maintaining our model and maintaining our focus is always is always a number one goal mm-hmm. every year. Um, I, I think that for us in our work, one of the things that we haven't really dived deep into has been the move when ready piece. So for us, that actually is going to be the biggest, um, I don't want to say challenge, because we know what we need to do, but it's going to be the biggest project over the yes. next three years yeah. mm-hmm. for us. And that's, that work's already started. So, right. Yeah. Have you found that, um, we, we talk about it as uh, readiness levels, or, you know, yep. owners working at their readiness levels. And so if you're in X grade, but you're ready for Y work, you know, you move on, you yeah. just stay there because you're in that social group. Um, have you found, I've, I guess I have noticed that generally, not across the board, that it seems to make more sense and be more easy to figure out in elementary settings where the teachers, you know, so I'm curious what right. steps you've taken at the secondary level to try to make, or have you, you're still just right. thinking no, about it? Um, well, I agree with you, number one. So New Hampshire is part of a, a pilot called NG Squared, which is no grades, no grades. And we're actually one of the schools that's a part of that. So okay. for the elementary level, that works great, you yeah. know, because they're able to cluster kids right. regardless of what their grade level is. At the secondary level, it's definitely more of a struggle. So it would be very easy for us to develop a move when ready system that's completely an online class. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're trying to do. So right. we certainly have online class options. We have um, extended learning opportunity options, so that's New Hampshire's way to, um, to, to capture learning that happens outside that's of the nice. classroom walls, yeah. right? So those are easy ways to have move when ready systems. What we're doing now is we're trying to dial back into some of our more traditional curriculums. So like right now we have our math program, we're working on rebuilding that as a move when ready option. So right now we have a cohort of ninth grade students taking our integrated math one class as a move when ready class. And there's, um, it's a blended learning model, essentially. So mm-hmm. the kids have some opportunities to do some playlists, and they pull together with the teacher um, based when they get to a certain point, and the teacher does some performance tasks with them. There's some instruction, either enrichment or intervention, interwoven into that. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of uh, professional development that has to happen for teachers to be successful Agreed. in that model, mm-hmm. because if you don't do that, like I said, what you get is an online class, which is not right. what we're no, looking no, for. Right. And it's not what kids are looking for. You know, I mean, if we, we have that and the kids say, Mr. Stack, if I wanted to take an online class, I would have done it at VLAX, which is the online school mm-hmm. that we have in New Hampshire that we partner with. It's actually right down the street from us. And kids can take an online class right. if that's what they want to do. You know, so um, I, I just foresee that model getting bigger. And us really, I think for us, the key is going to be making better use of time during the school day right. and how we use time and cluster kids to work collaboratively based on where they are, right? So that's going to be, I think, the way that secondary schools are going to get there. Right now, we have a 45-minute, it's called focused learning time, but it's a flexible learning period mm-hmm. built into the day where kids get some choice and voice into where they want to go and what they want to work on, and teachers can tag students to work on different projects. We've been doing that for, I think, four years now. 
Now next year we're talking about doubling that time uh -huh. and actually having two periods in the day that are flexible. So, you know, I would foresee a few years from now, most of our day yep. might be in that kind of a model. So I think that's where the evolution is probably going to come from because that's the variable right there is how you use time. Right. As soon right. as you as soon as you schedule students into a class with 30 other students, <laughs> right? right. For, right. With one teacher for a certain period of time, you've sort of eliminated a lot of your move when ready pieces yeah, because yeah. it's going to be difficult for one teacher to manage that in a, in a classroom. At least that's my perception. I would much prefer to see teachers doing this in teams so that they can cluster kids and regroup kids right. as they need to to give them what they need for instruction. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely it's, it's going to be a work in progress and again... There aren't a lot of models out there for what it looks like. So yet again, we're kind of... Yeah. A lot of it will be following you. <laughs> well, we'll check yeah, in. We'll I, I suppose. I may, that, maybe yeah. that'll end up being book number two. There you go. I don't know. Rehauling high school. Right. Maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, excellent. This was very nice, Brian. Great. Well, we got to ask. We, we always do. I'll let you do it the first time. Okay, so we, we talk about personalized learning a lot. Yeah. And so one of the things we ask all of our guests is, what is your biggest do-do of personalized learning? Well, my biggest, ooh, um, just start. Just get started. You know, that's, I, I often feel like I run into people that just, they overthink it, overthink uh -huh. it, overplan it, and yep. they're, they're a little gun-shy to pull the trigger. And I say, don't wait. You know, just get started somewhere. Anything that you can do in this area is going to be inherently better for your students and better for your teachers, and it will grow. So just just get started. With that, thank you very much. Thank you. It was wonderful to talk with you today. Great to talk to you as well. <laughs>